Hey, thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Barb Blasco, and she tells us a bit about her life, graduating med school at 25, running show MD, and what it was like one morning waking up and not being able to get out of bed. Hope you enjoy. I am from Long Island, uh, New York. Actually started riding horses there when I was like seven years old and started taking lessons and then somehow convinced my parents who didn't probably have the financial wherewithal to buy me a horse when I was 14. I took a pony ride when I was a kid at a birthday party. And then after that, that's really all I wanted to do. And I tried swimming and gymnastics and you know, after riding, they just didn't compare. So I started riding, you know, once a week and taking lessons and then going to riding camp. I still remember the day I got this horse when I was 14. You know, I kind of had a deal with my parents that I would, you know, help with expenses. And I started, you know, mucking stalls. And then I actually, believe it or not, started my first business when I was probably around the same age, 14 or 15. I rode at a, a barn where they went to horse shows and I, I learned how to braid. So I started braiding by Barbara. I still remember I, I made my first invoices, I think when I was like 15 years old. <laughs> my poor mom used to take me to the barn at three o'clock in the morning. And I remember we'd go to Dunkin' Donuts and get donuts and she would drop me off at the barn. And you know, back then in the 80s, I'd be the only person at the barn at 3 a.m. And it was it was safe. For a, a teenager, I made quite a bit of money. How did you market yourself? Did people just see Just you? at the, you know, at the barn. I mean, I, I would do at least 10, sometimes 12 mains and almost the same amount of tails, like, you know, every day. Back in the day on the East Coast on Long Island, we did a lot of one-day shows. So you'd go, you know, one day. Uh, to a horse show and then come home and the horses would have to get unbraided and rebraided and then we'd go to another horse show the next day. I was very grateful to have something to pay my expenses for my horse and also something I loved to do. Seems like you were very independent at a young age. Yeah, I mean, I all I really wanted to do was ride. Whatever whatever could get me to the barn and get me to horses, I did it. Yeah. Road hunter jumpers, yeah, on Long Island. It was a pretty good it was a pretty good show scene. I mean, we did a lot of horse shows every weekend and then started to do some more A shows during the summer where we would travel and so high school, you know, same just continued to to braid horses and I started teaching Girl Scout riding lessons so like up down riding lessons at uh, CW Post College on Long Island and that morphed into beginners so that was fun and I did that actually all through college made money doing that and part of med school I still worked doing that making making pretty good money yeah and within college did you know what you wanted career-wise I sort of knew I knew I wanted to do something with science and I knew I wanted to somehow ride horses and I didn't know how I'd combine them I knew I wasn't good enough to be a professional rider I knew that pretty early on I remember actually I was teaching a riding lesson and I was standing outside and I was like you know, I'm probably okay enough to be a B trainer, but I'm not good enough to be an A trainer. I'm not brave enough to ride the Grand Prix. I, I knew that, you know, and and, and I kind of looked at the people that I was teaching and they all were professionals. And I thought, well, you know, do I want to, do I want to be this kind of mediocre riding trainer or do I want to be someone that, that takes lessons? Really the pivotal moment was my dad died when I was 18, right after my freshman year of college. And I pretty much realized like I was on my own in terms of 
my life going forward. And I was, you know, like, well, this is it. You better, like, figure it out. And I figured, well, okay, you like science. You're smart enough to go to med school. So I went to medical school. It was, like, pretty much, you know, kind of a slap in the face. Like, hey, you're going to either make it or, or not. My dad, um, you know, fortunately kind of convinced me to go to a state school, which was inexpensive. And I stayed local and I stayed riding. And, and my school was very close to the barn. And when I made the decision to go to medical school, I actually stayed at SUNY Stony Brook, which is where I went to college. On multiple levels, it was convenient. It was, I could still ride horses and it was not, not as expensive as some of the more, you know, Ivy League schools. What was med school like for you? You know, I loved med school. I, if I could pick a time to go back in my life, I would go back to medical school. As crazy as that sounds, I loved it. I loved studying. I loved you know, there was responsibility, but looking back on it, it wasn't like really being an adult. I still rode pretty much every day. You know, people thought I was crazy. I would leave my books in the library and I would go ride and I'd come back. And people thought I was nuts, but I did really well in school. And I think it's because I had that outlet. I didn't really know what kind of doctor I was going to be. But then in my fourth year of med school, I found this really cool specialty called emergency medicine. And I fell in love with it and knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an ER doctor. It was fast paced and I like adrenaline and it was always different. And every day you would, you know, you'd go to work in the ER to to work a shift and you never knew what was going to happen. I mean, you could have, you know, somebody who had a heart attack or somebody who had a stroke or somebody who had a gunshot wound. And for me, that was, you know... It was exciting and inspiring and motivating. So I grew up, as I mentioned, on Long Island on the East Coast, and I graduated med school when I was 25 and decided that I was done with the snow and the cold. So I came to California, to Southern California, and did my residency at UC Irvine, and have not left uh, since then, obviously. I really have no desire to go back to the cold or snow, so I've been here ever since. And why California, just because weather? You know... I really didn't know much about California um, when I came out here. I had actually taken a trip when I was like eight years old with my family out here, and I, I guess I kind of loved it ever since I was a kid. And it was just, to me, kind of like a dream place to live. I actually managed to somehow keep riding horses during residency, which is kind of crazy because some weeks we worked, you know, 100, 120 hours a week, and somehow I managed to ride a little bit, which, which kept me sane. How long do you have to do residency for? Uh, residency was three years. Three years. In residency, I actually got really sick. I had um, an ascending paralysis where I was paralyzed pretty much from the waist down. And it was kind of a, a crazy thing. I had a virus and then the, the virus made me attack my own immune system. It's, I don't know if, if you've ever, ever heard of it, it's called transverse myelitis. It's like Guillain-Barre. Uh, you might know a little bit about it now because some of the COVID vaccines and post-COVID syndromes can do the same thing to people. So long story short, I got this virus. I was paralyzed. I was in the I ICU for a long time. And I didn't ride for about six years because I had very significant weakness in my left leg and didn't really think I could ride. And then this uh, boyfriend I was with at the time decided I was kind of miserable and needed something to do. So he actually bought me riding lessons um, at, uh, at Kennedy Farms, which was in Anaheim Hills at that time. And I started taking riding lessons like once a week again. And 
boyfriend. And, and, you know, it's just, it's funny because as a kid, like, I was riding once a week, and here I am and as an adult in my, you know, late 20s, you know, starting riding once a week again, taking riding lessons. And you have to relearn everything. I, yeah, you know, and I never, I didn't think I could ride because my left leg is really weak. I can't put my left heel down. I can't really feel my left leg. So it's, you know, it's a pretty significant impairment. But I started riding again, and then I, of course, had to buy a horse, and then I had to start showing again. And When the virus got into your system, did you just, like, wake up one morning? And- yes. It was the craziest thing. I woke up one morning to go to work, and I had this crazy back pain, and within 10 minutes, I literally could not walk. I mean, I've kind of been through a lot of things in my life, and that's up there with one of the probably most terrible things. But... You know, there's always a silver lining. Um, It actually made me a really way better doctor because I went through a lot of things in the hospital and I I experienced things from a patient perspective that otherwise I wouldn't have the insight to, you know, really think about when I'm taking care of people. Yeah, positives and negatives? Both, yes. Uh, Any examples that you want to talk about, positive or negative? I realized that, you know, pain really stinks. And if you're in pain and no one helps you, you can kind of get very angry and frustrated. I realized that it's really scary when you don't have control of your own body. I realized that a lot of procedures we do to people hurt a lot. So I've kind of changed the way I do things. Like, for instance, one procedure I had three times was a spinal tap. And if you're not kind of asleep or or have a lot of sedation, it really hurts like hell. So now I've really changed the way I do that when I do spinal taps on people, which I do a fair amount of. They're, the pain is very well controlled and they're kind of in a twilight. And so when this happened, was there a lot of research already for what was happening? You no, I mean, no one really knew. It took them like two weeks to figure it out, honestly. And I was in the hospital the whole time and then they finally figured it out. How did this virus enter your body? Is it just from somebody? No, I, so I, what happens is I got a virus, just like a regular common virus. And then when your body makes antibodies to the virus, sometimes your body gets confused and makes antibodies to your own proteins in your, in your body. And it happened to attack the myelin, which is the spinal cord covering. So it basically attacked the myelin in my body and took it away. And when they figured out what it was, what exactly does the treatment look like? I mean, they put me on steroids right away, which is supposed to reduce inflammation. There's actually not really a a great treatment for it. Since then, kind of medicine has evolved and there's, you can do different types of treatments, but nothing's really like a permanent treatment. And a lot of it was just like doing rehab and, and strength training and getting my body walking again and getting it strong. And this is something you have forever? Yes. Yeah. My left foot does not work. People ask me why I limp, and I just tell them my foot doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember your feeling getting back on a horse after six years? Yeah, I mean, it was now? it was great. I was worried I wouldn't be able to ride, you know, as effectively. And, you know, I just, I just kept working at it. And now I do the 120 jumpers, and it's kind of a miracle. One day I was at, like, a small schooling show in San Juan Capistrano, and for some reason I did a jumper class I don't know why I did and then after that there was no more hunters (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a very different world so and my my horse I had was as many of them are was a you know like a meter 30 jumper in Europe and then he came over here and we did the hunters on him because he was really pretty and moved nice but he still loved the jumper ring so we went back to jumpers 
Were you working during those six years? Oh, yeah. I was in the ER. I worked in the, as an ER doctor. Yeah. Actually, when I was sick, I only took six weeks off from my residency. So I guess at the point of where I started thinking about ShowMD, I was riding competitively. I was We were probably going to, I don't know, at least one or two shows a month. I, you know, kind of was like low key about being a doctor and, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty much under the radar and, and people, you know, my trainer knew I was a doctor and people started finding out and they'd ask me for help here and there. And, you know, do, you know, can you check this out for me? I fell off. Can you look at my arm? Uh, I've had this cough, you know. So I started bringing my stethoscope to the horse shows <laughs> and started bringing a little kit of stuff, you know, basic splint stuff or suturing stuff or, you know, just kind of stuff that I could do. And I just sort of started taking care of people. And I realized that a lot of people at the horse show really never went to the doctor a lot of people kind of needed medical care but they wouldn't they wouldn't seek it because they were too busy or they just wanted to keep riding. I also at that point, I mean, I've been doing emergency medicine for 23 years and that's after residency, so if you add residency it's 26 years and it gets hard, you know. I mean, besides all the great fun things we do, we also deal with a lot of drunk people, a lot of substance abuse like in a general shift, like if two or three people, you know, curse at me, it's not uncommon. You know, I'm taking care of them at their worst moments in life, which I have to realize, but I also, you know, it takes a toll on you as a doctor. And I just sort of started thinking about, you know, how could I be a doctor, you know, at the horse show and take care of people. So I, I started thinking about, you know, what it would look like to have an actual you know, set up at the horse show. And I spent about a year doing research on what kind of truck I would need and what things I would need and how I would do it. Do horse shows have like an ER tent? Some of them do. Some of them have like a little tent where the medics will sit. But I mean, they don't have anything really to help people. And every time somebody would fall off and I was at the horse show, they would get me to go to the ring or to go see what was going on or or someone someone would just say go see Barb you know and give them my opinion or help them and at that point I wasn't charging anybody anything because I didn't have malpractice I wasn't set up as a business to do that and I was just just kind of helping people that needed help like I said for about a year I, I did some research trying to find like some sort of vehicle to to you know, actually have this mobile clinic. And finally, I found one. And it was a big, you know, it was a big decision. It was a big kind of leap of faith. And it was it was kind of scary, because I was doing something that no one's ever done. And, you know, there was people that were very supportive, and people that kind of were my cheerleaders. And, you know, I know that not everybody likes everybody in this sport, which is kind of sad. But Ali Nilfarujan was really somebody that gave me a lot of courage to do this. And he's like, you know, Barb, he's like, you can do this. He's like, he's like, whatever you need at my horse shows, we'll help you, we'll set you up, we'll promote you, we'll, you know, give you a great space. And, you know, that gave me confidence to say, okay, you know, there's people that believe in me and there's people that want to see this whole business succeed. And it's kind of interesting because, so I've been doing this for about a year and it's interesting the evolution because some of these same show managers who didn't have belief in the beginning are now seeing like 
like how great it is. And now they're reaching out to me and now they're, you know, they want me there. And it's just been pretty amazing. How did I come up with the name? I, I just thought there should be a doctor at shows. So I called it Show MD. You know, that's what I am. I'm the doctor at the horse show. And it's funny because people, spectators and stuff come up and they're like, uh, are you a vet? I'm like, no, MD, I'm a doctor, <laughs> you know? So I think it's self-explanatory, but maybe not. And the the actual truck itself, I spent like probably a good two months trying to figure out what I needed. At first, a friend of mine who, who does business, she's a, she's a great friend of mine. She said, why don't you just set up a tent? And I knew all the stuff that I kind of wanted in this in this facility and I told her I said a tent is not going to work she's like but you don't know if this business is going to work and I said you know I don't know if the business is going to work but if I don't do it the right way it's definitely not going to work she's my best friend Penny and I didn't actually tell her I bought the truck (laughs) because she's a really really smart business person and she started a business in her garage and now it's you know very successful and she was convinced all I needed was a tent and I know, I know this industry. I know, I know what people expect and I know what I wanted to deliver. And I went, finally found a place where you can actually design a mobile medical clinic. And I went to Arizona and um, they design trucks for veterinarians. They design trucks for mobile blood draws. It's called Magnum Mobile. So I went out there and I looked at this empty shell of kind of a truck. And it's a pretty common truck. It's a uh, F-450. Um, so it's a 26 foot and it was just sort of an open area and we kind of looked at the stuff we wanted and I was like all right I think we should put these chairs IV chairs here in this treatment area and this desk area and all these cabinets and did you do that all yourself or you had someone with you no I did it all myself knowing what I thought I needed in a mobile clinic. Being a doctor for this long, you kind of know what you need, especially as an ER doctor. So I know I know I needed an exam table where I could do little procedures. I know I needed a light, a special procedure light. I know I needed different cabinets where I could store stuff. And I also knew that people were going to want IV fluids. So I knew I needed two really nice, comfortable chairs. And I knew I needed like a workspace and a medical refrigerator. I knew I needed air conditioning conditioning and heat. (laughs) So I knew all the basic things I needed. So I was really lucky that they drove it to me. Well, actually, one of the most fun things was actually doing the actual, it's called a wrap. And you you take your logo and your your colors and you you design it with the the computer person that puts it all on the truck. And for me, that was really fun because you you get this computer model of your vehicle and you can take your things on your logo and move them around. It was really fun doing that part. What did it feel like when it drove up and you saw it for the first time? You know, it was pretty cool. It was kind of overwhelming. But when I walked in, I was like, man, this is really neat. I have an actual office. Like, most, And it's mobile. Yeah. <laughs> most ER doctors have no office. We're lucky if we have a computer. We don't have offices. We don't have desks. And now I have this amazing office. And every time I walk in it, I actually, I love it. You know, and, and it's climate controlled, so when it's like freezing, we turn the heat on, and when it's, when it's really hot, we have great air conditioning, and people come in it just to sit in there for the air conditioning sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, great <laughs> chairs, and we have drinks, and we have iPads where you can watch live feed. We actually have a little pharmacy on site, so if you need antibiotics or different medications like inhaler or anything common that you would go to urgent care for, we have. 
And you say we. Oh, because I I don't do this alone. I have a great team. Like, I could not do this alone. I have an amazing team. I have nurses that I picked from the ER that are amazing to work with. They're really good at IVs. They're really good at customer service. Like, this is not my thing. When I think of ShowMD, I think of everybody. I have a PA, Philip, who's been an emergency medicine PA for 20 years. He's just great. Like, I could not do this alone. This is not me. This is everybody. My first show was Ali's show. It was in Galway and it was COVID, you know, COVID was putting a damper on everything. I don't think there were spectators. You know, we were there and we helped all the riders and grooms and anybody that, you know, needed any medical care. It was exciting, you know, it was a lot of fun. One thing we do for Ali's shows is I staff all of his medics. So I'm like his medical director and I've actually developed this team of medics that's really amazing because they they are consistent and they go to every show that he has and they know what's going on and they know the lingo, you know, so they they know when someone says that, you know, they missed or they fell off or what, you know, they know what people are talking about. Like, what is it that you treat the most? We do a lot of, you know, dehydration and IV fluid. For some reason, riders tend to get a lot of toe injuries. <laughs> So we they they get toenail injuries and we have to remove toenails quite often, which is surprising. Is this mostly for being stepped on? I don't. It's from everything. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just been interesting. We do a lot of suturing. People get cut, and then we do a lot of suturing. You know, we do just about everything. One of the really exciting new things we have for this year is I bought an X-ray machine, and it's it's. It was a lot of work because I actually had to take a test in order to be able to perform the x-rays myself because I didn't really see the utility in hiring an x-ray tech. Um, But one thing I noticed is that people often came to me asking if we have x-ray and I had to say no and I hate saying no. So I had to take this test, which actually was one of the hardest tests I've ever taken in my career. It was a lot of physics and a lot of stuff that I don't normally do, but fortunately I passed it. And then the next hurdle was actually buying the x-ray machine, which is very expensive. So I looked at a lot of x-ray machines and I made the leap and I bought an x-ray machine. So hopefully by Desert International Horse Park, we will have this x-ray machine. And one of the really amazing things is that the show managers who were maybe hesitant or wondered what value we would add to the shows, um, I told them I need a room to you know, house this x-ray machine and keep it safe and keep it clean and shoot the x-rays. And they were like, sure, no problem. Although it's portable, it weighs 150 pounds and I can't bring it in and out of my truck. So I need a place to actually set it up. I mean, by the grace of God, people have understood, you know, what we do at the horse show now and they want us there and they, they've been really excited. So Sonoma reached out to me. They saw the social media from Ali's show and was like, we want you here. So that year, despite, you know, COVID and no spectators, we drove up to Sonoma and we were up there. We have reached out to, you know, other horse shows and thankfully mostly welcomed in. Believe it or not, I've had all kinds of people ask me if they can invest. I've had like big, huge companies that are very well established in the industry come to me and want to invest, but I I don't want any investment. This is my business and I want to make it 
you know, my own. I don't want to answer to anybody. I've had another business where people invested and answering to investors was really crummy. My goal for this year is to really develop it in California. I'd like to get two units for California, one for Northern, one for Southern. My goal is also to develop a presence on the East Coast, probably in Florida. I would actually like to set up an actual office space in Florida at one of the more permanent horse shows there, so it's not mobile. The biggest challenge to me is getting staff that are reliable and that are trustworthy and that, you know, really can sort of be me when I'm not there. Are any of your staff currently horse people as well? Yeah, well, a lot of them have become horse people. Um, <laughs> I have I have uh, a couple nurses um, that work with me that are horse people. And if people want to get a hold of you for having you out to shows, talking to you, if someone's a med student and is interested. Oh, I do have a med, actually, you know what? I have a family medicine resident. This is crazy. I have a family medicine resident who, she's a doctor, obviously. She's in her third year of residency. She reached out to me and she said, hey, can I come shadow you at some horse shows? And I said, sure. So she she came to Galway. She She's doing her residency out in Thermal area. So she's come to Thermal and, you know, she's there and she helps me out and, and she loves it. You know, my website has my contact information. It has my email, it has my phone number. Show, S-H-O-W-M-D dot org. I think it was hard convincing some of the show managers that we would be a useful addition to their current show environment because it's so new, because people didn't understand it 100%. People, some people thought that, well, they have, you know, EMTs there, they have medics there, they can, they can do the job. But one of the things that I get the most gratification of is that when people come to me, I know exactly what they're talking about. I know what they mean when they say their horse spun or their horse spooked or they did two strides and the one stride or I know exactly what they're talking about. You know, most of the time, like I'm sitting there in my riding clothes because I've just gotten off my horse. And I know that riders want to ride. They don't want to be injured. And I totally understand that. And I do everything I can to get people riding again. And to me, that's been like the greatest joy in this is just actually being able to understand people who would otherwise not be understood if they went to urgent care or the ER. You know, it's funny, someone, a friend of mine asked me, oh, she, oh, she said to me, she said, I hope you just make millions of dollars on this. And you know what, honestly, like I just, I wanna have money to show my horse and I wanna be able to help people. And it's brought like this great satisfaction to me to, I feel like this is why I became a doctor. All of these freaking years, like I really do, like this is it. What is something within the community that you'd like to see evolve or change? And then how can you help influence that change? I would like to see riders take better care of themselves. I feel like I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, I don't go to the doctor as much as I should, but I would like to see riders take better care of their own health. And I do a lot of concierge medicine for people where they come and they get a physical and all their blood work through me. And we go over what they need. And throughout the year, I can prescribe medicine and you know, that being said, I, I think better people should do a better job of going to see their regular doctor, getting physical exams, getting lab work when they need it, having their colonoscopies, those kind of things that are preventative. I know people are super busy and the last thing you want to do on Monday, which is your only day off, is like go to the doctor, but sometimes it's important. I would love to see an industry where horse show managers got along. <laughs> 
I don't know what I could do to change that. Probably nothing. But it would just be nice to have a community where people helped each other and didn't seem to want to fight over horse show days and mileage rules. And I I think we all have a common goal where we want to ride horses and have fun and, and compete in a nice environment. And I think if people worked together and shared best practices and, and supported each other, it would be a little nicer. Are you taking better care of your body? I am actually. So for like three years, I've had back pain and my sciatic has been crazy for like literally three years. And I finally went and got a back injection and it was amazing. I stopped being in pain. So it was really, it was really amazing. And I I just, you know, wanted to kick myself because I was like, why have you been walking around like this for three years? Like, what are you doing? I couldn't stand for more than five minutes at a time without my whole right leg just being on fire. And when I work in the ER, a lot of times you have to stand for more than five minutes. And I realized it was really causing me to not be happy when I was at work and just be uncomfortable. So I realized I had to get it fixed. If you think of all the things we do for our horses, oh my goodness, we give them supplements. We get them, you know, to the vet whenever there's like anything. Oh my gosh, my horse farted wrong. Okay, I'm gonna call the vet, you know. You just, you take such good care of your horses. You have a beamer, you have, you know, back on track, you have ice boots. Like, what the hell do we do with ourselves? Nothing, nothing. Half of us don't even take vitamins. I kind of think anything's possible. Like, if you have a dream and and you want to do something, you know, don't give up. Although, I mean, this, you know, wasn't something I set out to do. When Honestly, when I started medical school, I wanted to be a, a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon. And through medical school, I realized that that being a surgeon was not what I wanted to do with my life because I wanted to be able to have time to do other things. And one of those things would ride horses. But if you told me at the beginning of med school, I was going to create this thing called show MD, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, and I mean, the way my life has gone, I didn't ride for six years, you know, so I don't know. I'm religious. I believe in God. I believe he put me here to do this. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for chatting with me. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke. Don't forget to follow on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Like, comment, and share on both Instagram and Facebook. If you or someone you know wants to chat with me, please email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com or visit stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. New episodes will come out every Monday morning starting January of 2022. See you next week.